Welcome to Star Citizen, possibly the most ambitious virtual world in video game history. Star Citizen's story has been that of bold ambition, record-breaking community support, and yes, even a bit of good old-fashioned frustration. We have approached the economies of video games before on this channel, mainly looking at EVE Online, which is another space-based MMO that proved to have an amazingly realistic economy. Star Citizen, however, may yet prove to be a bigger and even more intricate virtual economy, given the vast marketplace for goods and services in this game. The scope of what this game will look like in its final version is truly mind-blowing. Given the money that has already been invested into virtual assets in this game, and the expansive sandbox nature of things that will be possible in it, the game holds great promise to be the largest and most realistic virtual economy in the world. But that's just it at this point though. A promise. Up until now, nearing the end of 2019, Star Citizen is still in its alpha stage release, meaning that most features of the final playable game are not active yet. And while you can log in and fly spaceships around, it is more or less just a sightseeing tour at this point, and the game lacks the critical mass of activity to generate the kind of things that make for a great virtual economy. Things like scarcity, competition, collaboration, and speculation. A marketplace does exist in the game, but up until this point, a majority of the trade is a one-way transaction between the game developers and the players for ready-made items like spaceships, guns, suits, and the like. There are plans to have industrial content available in the game for players to gather resources to produce beautiful items, but again, this is mostly just something in the future for now. The economy of Star Citizen may be pure speculation at this point, but what is worth looking at is the economics of Star Citizen. The video game industry is worth an estimated 150 billion US dollars in 2019, more than music, television, and the movie industry combined, which is just mind-blowing. And it's continuing to grow at an impressive rate. What is often forgotten amongst all of this though, is that video games are a business. Their end goal is not to give you enjoyment, but rather to get your money. The increased commercialization of this gigantic industry has been increasingly under scrutiny with controversial issues like loot boxes and microtransactions angering a lot of customers who just want to buy a game and then play that game. Most major video games today share a pretty similar product life cycle to a movie. They are funded and produced by studios, they are then released, generate a majority of their revenue from initial sales, and then see a sharp decline as sales fall due to new releases and or audience retention. Video games have been extending their life cycle through the aforementioned microtransactions. But for the most part, most video games still follow this new release sales curve. This works out just fine for both movies and video game studios because it means that budgets and investment returns are very easy to forecast. If $100 million is put to the development of a new Call of Duty game, it is likely to see returns from that investment within the first few days after release. And yes, there are box office records for video games just the same as there are for movies, with Grand Theft Auto V being the highest grossing game from sales of game copies and in-game purchases. There is another type of media consumption that is even more profitable, and this is again shared very closely between video games and television. 
and that is subscriptions. Subscription services like Netflix generate huge revenues without the need to make new sales. Just the same, the highest grossing game of all time, period, is World of Warcraft, which is a subscription-based game. Star Citizen took a very different approach to this whole video game funding issue though. The project would need a lot of money. That much was clear. But the developers of Star Citizen did not want to be beholden to investors seeking a strong return on their investment. And perhaps more importantly, they did not want the same kind of boom and bust life cycle of a video game to be true for the universe that they were trying to create. To get around this whole money issue, they turn to crowdfunding. Crowdfunding today is a pretty common and well-accepted concept. But in 2012, when Star Citizen was first announced, it was a very new idea. Star Citizen was launched on the idea that gamers would put their money towards an unbelievably ambitious project. Not because they wanted to see a return on their investment, but because they wanted to play a fantastic video game. The Kickstarter campaign for Star Citizen has today raised over a quarter of a billion dollars for the development of the game. That is a quarter of a billion dollars that will never be paid back to those investors who handed over the money willingly, oftentimes simply in exchange for virtual items in a video game that was not even playable at the time. This funding model makes Star Citizen a lot less like traditional media investments and a lot more like a mutual members society financial institution. You are probably familiar with institutions such as mutual banks or credit societies. They exist in most nations and act as financial bodies not motivated by profit, but rather the service of their members. This often means that fast-paced returns on investments are seen as less important to delivering value back to their clients, as these clients represent both their customer base and their investors. Star Citizen is a lot like this in many ways. Its investors never expect to see a return on their money. They just want to see the greatest video game ever. This funding gave the developers of Star Citizen a lot of freedom to explore increasingly bold and expensive ideas for their games. They're not beholden to the same kind of schedule that wants to see profits as quickly as possible. And so they are able to take their time and create features that would be outside the scope of even the most ambitious sandbox games today. This all sounds great so far, but it must be remembered that Star Citizen was originally planned for release in 2014. And here, over five years later, the game is still in its early development. With such extensive delays, there has of course been a number of criticisms from backers. The most extreme critics of the project have even gone as far as to call it an outright scam. A Ponzi scheme is where a business is set up promising a return on an investment to attract investors into the scheme. A Ponzi scheme differs from a normal business however, because instead of paying investors back through the profits of a good business, they just pay back investors with the money given to them by new investors, and on and on until they are found out, or they run out of new investors to sucker into the scheme. Star Citizen, for all its promise, has received some surprisingly valid criticisms suggesting it has a lot of the characteristics of this Ponzi scheme. But, hang on, there are no real investors in Star Citizen. People were never expecting to have their money returned to them. Well, yes, but backers were expecting a video game to be returned to them. The amazingly successful crowdfunding campaign has been followed by 
very limited playable tech demonstrations that allowed players to buy virtual spaceships in the game. These assets at this early stage were not really usable besides to look at, but they were sold to players as both an item that they could keep to use in the final release of the game, but also as a way to keep on assisting with the funding of the game itself. It was starting to look increasingly as if the developers of Star Citizen were producing just enough game to sell virtual assets to raise just enough money, develop just enough game to sell more virtual assets. The process of crowdfunding has been so rewarding to the developers of the game that many are skeptical if it is really in the developer's best interest to ever release Star Citizen as the full game that was promised back in 2012. This tension all came to a head in early 2018 with the now infamous Legatus Pack, which was a purchase bundle of ships that cost 27,000 US dollars. For the price of a brand new family car, you could get some unusable spaceships in a game that was not yet fully playable. This unsurprisingly caused great outrage amongst disheartened early backers who just wanted to play a video game about spaceships. And this is where the question must be raised. If someone puts money towards a project like this, not as an investment, but as backing of a project that they want to be involved in, is it ethical and or legal to use their sunk cost as leverage to raise more and more money without providing the promise of what was originally to be made. I love the idea of Star Citizen. As a spaceship and economics nerd, the idea of a universe as expansive and dynamic as the one promised in this game would be truly amazing. I hope one day I am able to make a series on the economy of this video game world with the same depth and intrigue as the videos on other MMOs such as EVE Online. There are certainly valid criticisms of the development of the game, and early backers have every right to be disheartened. But, as with everything new, there will be setbacks, and there will be criticism. The developers of Star Citizen wanted to build a game without the pressure of profits hanging over their head. Raising funds through their player base was a fantastic solution to get around this problem. Have they taken the crowdfunding model too far? Maybe. Have they taken their sweet time building this game? Definitely. But will Star Citizen be everything that was promised in early 2012? In my opinion, honestly, yes. Hi guys and thanks for watching and a big thank you to everyone who subscribed. We just got over 10,000 subscriptions on the channel, which is truly amazing. If you did enjoy the video, please consider liking and subscribing. It truly helps out. And otherwise, if you have any questions on the video, I'd do my very best to reply to everything in the comments section. Thanks guys.